Trish Box Podcast, a safe space for self-expression, healing, and empowerment. Brought to you by Chani Ra, writer and artist. Self-love and embodiment coach, Jacqueline Michelle. And Sunita, founder of Shushbox, the wellness platform supporting survivors of sexual trauma. Hello listeners and welcome back to the Shushbox podcast. Today's episode is hosted by me, Sunita, and we're going to be joined by Betsy Perez. Betsy is the founder of Papaya Arm, which is an alternative and holistic health service. Betsy helps women who have lived through childhood sexual abuse learn how to feel physically and emotionally safe to voice their sexual needs and desires to a partner. In today's episode, we'll be talking about practicing celibacy as part of the healing journey. I hope you enjoy it. So, welcome, Betsy, to the Shushbox podcast. Um, hello, beautiful Shushbox community. Um, I'm very excited to be here. My name is Betsy Perez, and I am a woman living here in New York City. And I support women who have experienced childhood sexual trauma in learning how to feel physically and emotionally safe in their bodies to create that intimacy with themselves and then be able to express those needs to their partner. So I'm extremely invested in all things that are sex, relationships, dating, and personal development for as it pertains to adults who have experienced sexual trauma in their childhood specifically. So here I am and I'm excited to be here. So excited to have you here. And I know we've, I've said it before, you know, we've connected on Instagram um, in the past, but I really like that you do focus on the childhood sexual trauma. Um, mm. Even saying the words child, child, you know, people who have experienced it within childhood, it's still quite a taboo conversation. So I yeah. feel shining the spotlight on that. And, you know, these children grow into women, like you say. So, hello, <laughs> somebody needs to be talking to us. <laughs> So I love that you uh, yeah. you speak so openly about it, to be honest, and I think that's what it's all about. So yeah, I'm really happy to have you here. And I know it's been a couple of, it's been, the time goes so quickly, but I think it must yeah. have been nearly a year, right, since we last spoke to each other. But I saw mm-hmm. you recently on Instagram, and it was like fate I felt like it was like fate because <laughs> I don't really go on Instagram lives very often I was like I think I was like lay in a really uncomfortable position and I was just like oh look Betsy <laughs> I it. And, then, um, and I was like really connecting with what you were saying so I think um I've watched it back after the that you posted on Instagram to get the, awesome. the, the first half of it um, and yeah. when I, the part that I joined you were literally explaining how you had just you'd been abstaining from sexual penetration for two years mm-hmm. um first I thought you know I think it's an inter- interesting conversation to have and I could I was I'm also in this space I'm also mm-hmm. you know in the space of um I guess practicing celibacy for me I don't know if it's intentional or in or unintentional sorry but yeah I'm practicing celibacy at the moment um mm-hmm. it's just happening it's happening yeah I hear it it's really one of those things that it kind of it did just if if it was something that I kind of fell into that it was like oh this is happening exactly Um, yeah I'm like it's happening I don't it's not like I set out you know two years ago or however many years I was like right let's go for 12 months without you know it just Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. how you just explained I kind of just fell into it and then once I was in it I was like well I'm in it yeah, right. Like I'm thinking, exactly, which is so interesting because this is the this is what I've wanted to cultivate for myself since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I I remember um I remember very specifically like for my little sister when she was like she had just went through a breakup or something, and I'm like five years older than her, and um. She was like 16 or something. I was like 22 or something like that. And I had told her, mommy, do not be like me. 
don't be, don't be <laughs> and have some time for yourself. Do not, don't have sex with just all of whatever boyfriend that you have next or any person that you're talking to. Do your best to have this time and this space for yourself because I see where you're going. And I always had a lover or someone touching me or someone, I was with women for most of my dating life up until like 20, 24 years old. I've been dating men just dating men for the past five years, six years. So even that is like new for me. But I remember in between the times that I was in between women and like relationships with monogamous relationships with women, I would have sex with men. I only felt, I just wanted to be ravished. Um, I only wanted to be ravished. I did not know how to really connect intimately with men um, in the way that I was connecting with women. Um, I, it was a lot of trauma response to it. So I realized that I was either getting penetrated by a penis, a dildo, or somebody's fingers. So I, I have been getting a penetrated of, over time for years, for more than a decade. So I realized then after I had a relationship with someone and then they got stuck in South America during the pandemic, I was over here. Basically, they ghosted me and I was just like, oh, I guess I'm not in a relationship. And then I was like, oh, I guess. And then I just really started cultivating even more, touching myself and being with my body and um, kind of really um, anchoring down in all of the practices that have been that I've been kind of sporadically doing and cultivating for myself. And finally, I started to really hone in on my routines and really started understanding like, oh, I didn't really want penetration all that time. I really just wanted physical connection that honored my body. But I just didn't understand how to do that. So these two years, I've been really understanding and practice more like in a more regimented, integrative practice, as in this is a part of my life, as opposed to I'm fucking recovering, I'm fucking healing, and I need to do this shit. And it's like trudging, which is part of it. But now it feels seamless almost. So yeah, so all the things. So yeah, just, yeah. Wow. No, that's beautiful. Like, you know, going from the like you say, the trudging feeling, you're, it's the beingness of it now. I guess you're embodying it more. Yeah. <laughs> also, just getting back to your point about the ghosting, I feel like we laugh and joke about ghosting so much, but the impact of somebody ghosting you is actually, mm-hmm. you know, that's a trauma in itself as well. So, you know, I'm sorry that you went through that because ghosting is, again, it's a... Uh, it's a block of communication. It's a blocking, yeah. it's, an, it's a block of communication, right? Yes, yes. What I now know about ghosting, as someone who has ghosted, and, and ghosting was some, that was part of my, the way that I connected with individuals in the sense that um, you can call me and I'll, well, I'm going to call you back and I would never, and it, this was just part of the way that I, also interacted intimately with everybody in my life because of my upbringing and and all of the you know the trauma around relating um so all I knew was how to kind of just be there when it was important but I did not know how to consistently be a part of in the people's lives that weren't my lovers so um so I had to really understand how to reorient that and um so when I met this particular individual, it really was a, after everything happened and I sat down and because I'm really about the metaphysical and things like that, I understood one, that this was a conflict, this was a indicator of my relationship with myself and how often I ghost myself in order to be a presence in someone else's life. And so it was an indicator for me that I'm attracting, you know, myself, you know, I'm, I'm attracting individuals that ghost because that's who, who I have been. This is probably that energy, the frequency that I'm in. And I still haven't kind of superseded that in the way that I need to, as in 
my boundaries, you know, and, and my communication and my communication with myself and, and the things that I ignored leading up to the ghost, you know, all of the things came back to the block in the communication that I had with myself and accepting what I really needed to verbalize, which is a direct residual impact, right, to not being able to express what I need to express or protect myself or, you know, say what I need and um, all the things. So it just became like such a microcosm of, of so many things that I thought, oh, I thought I was doing better with this, but I guess I'm not. <laughs> like, I guess mm-hmm. not to the degree that I thought in my romantic relationships, because in other spaces I was doing good. It was just, you know, the love department was a little money. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, you know, saying it um, with the metaphysical, I'm so a believer of this stuff as well. So, you know, anything showing up in your reality, right? Or it's like a reflection of a mirror. It's a mirror of um, something that is unhealed or something that is within you that keeps showing up. And I feel like for me in relationships, it was that way. So everything coming in, it was always following the same cycle, you know, the same cycle of toxic behaviors or toxic patterns. And mine, again, is going back to a block in communication. I'm wearing a mask to be that version of me that I thought everybody else wanted to see or, you know, wanted to, wanted to exist. Even if we talk now, going back to the sexual beings that we all are, I feel like the sexual role that I used to play in relationships, I'm just put out into the world. It's so different now. I feel like I was trying to be the example of what it means to be a a sexual female. I feel like I was trying to be that prime, sexual, energetic um, female, but it wasn't coming from the right place. It was coming from a place of lack. It was coming from a place of pretense and a place of acting into the way that I thought people would want to perceive. So it wasn't really real. It it wasn't real. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that was, again, part of my survival, you know, part of the survivor state where we do these things. And, you know, when I look back now, I'm just like, wow. It just makes me feel a bit tired. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who is that? But, you know, it's part of me. That was a part of who I am. So it's not like I look back and regret, have any regrets, but I can see it from a different viewpoint now. Um, and actually going back to your talk that I listened to on Instagram, what I really loved was how you were talking about um, the different types of intimacy, you know, it's not just mm-hmm. a sexual connection. So maybe we could talk a little bit more about the different types of connections that you were explaining and um, the energetic field of them. Yeah, of course. The, a lot of the way that I approach adult like long-term impacts of childhood sexual abuses from a very metaphysical space um from you know the root the energetics and like and the physical that really a lot of us go to to therapy if we make it to therapy for our minds and then oftentimes individuals who have experienced childhood sexual trauma don't even go to therapy for the root cause right it usually um, presents itself sometime along therapy, unless some, unless you know, in the beginning, it's something that is explicitly said that you know you work on. But usually, people go to therapy for other things, and then later you start uncovering and peeling back layers and things. So, um, so having been in therapy for since I was eleven years old, in some way, shape, or form, up until my you know my mid twenties. I realize, right, that, right, your body's usually out of the conversation, your energetics is usually out of the conversation, and also having been initiated in um, other spiritual rites and what we call, right, African um, spiritual um, religions and practices, the energetics is important. So I understood that sexual energy is life force energy. And if I was a kid and my sexual energy was disrupted, then chances are my ability to create the life that I actually really want from a physically anchored place from a whole place is probably disrupted. So the idea, right, there's this idea of your sexual energy leaking, right? So I thought to myself as time went on, if my sexual energy is leaking and I have an energetic grid, how do I sew myself back up? 
how do I remember myself? How do I remember the parts of myself? And how do I create intimacy with myself that it's not just sexual, right? Because there's the idea that there, that for me, that sex and intimacy, they were interchangeable. I didn't understand what intimacy meant beyond the act of sex as we knew it. And as I started to, to really pay mindful attention to how this trauma is impacting my adult life today, I realized that in the same way that I made my lover, right, in terms of my relationships, um, one, I didn't think I had relationships with other people. That's one. I only thought relationship, sex, and intimacy were allocated to the one person that you decided to have sex with a relationship and, you know, intimacy. So when I started to realize that I was a whole person and in order to be intimate with people, right, that I also wanted physical intimacy and that there's actually emotional intimacy and, you know, mental intimacy, like intellectual intimacy and spiritual intimacy and all of these other levels that help fill a person and and their lives. When I realized that there was actually more to me than being physically touched and, and physically like aroused that the pleasure in my life that the, that actually what I want to feel is fulfilled. I want to feel exhilarated. I want to feel rejuvenated, calm. I, I could do so many things other than sex, like at least the act of sex that made me feel the same way that I was aspiring to feel with my partner. And then realizing like, yo, I can't have sex 24 seven. So I'm going to have to figure out a way to uh, provide these experiences, these sensations within me and in my world. I'm going to have to find a way to do that for myself. And that was scary for me because I thought that there's no way to have that because I grew up with my mom and my dad. My mom and my dad worked together. My mom was my dad's assistant. And I never saw my parents live individual lives. So even that within itself impacted the way that I saw myself as, an, as a woman who had a life. Because all of the women in my life that I knew growing up had husbands who were like, they were like this with in a very um, unhealthy way. And then the women that were single and for all intents and purposes living their lives were shunned upon by the husbands, the uncles, my uncles and all of them. So there was this conundrum within me. And then once I really started to accept that I have to sustain relationships with people, not just my lover. And then I have to sustain a relationship with myself. Like, oh shit, like I'm a whole ass person. That for me was such a difficult space to be in. And, you know, as time has gone on, I've been able to set boundaries. However, it was all of that, like all of the things that, yeah, <laughs> that were, that came up for me in that time. It's good for you to have had that time. And I feel like I've gone through a similar process, really. It is that instead of trying to fit into everybody else's version of who you're meant to be, like the perfect girlfriend or the perfect daughter or the perfect friend, even, yeah. you know, and just really coming back to yourself. And I connected in the same way with sex, I feel. I just, at times I used it as a weapon. So, you know, I was like, my body was my weapon. It was like, if I, there was a person, like a powerful figure or for me, there was this thing with sex and power. And Mm -hmm. if I could have sex with somebody, then I've got the power of the situation. And I actually used to do this quite often, um, even in relationships. And I felt like if there was ever a conflict in a relationship, when I look back, my way of resolving it would be with sex, mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. not, not a conversation. Like my first go-to would be to be overtly sexual or, you know, try to fix the gaps with sex. Everything was about sex for me. Um, I'd never really got vulnerable in my relationships. I don't think I never really let my guard down in that sense. It was... Um, hard for me to obviously I would cry I remember now like there'd be times when I was crying but it was not in a truly vulnerable place right like where you really feel safe to 
let yourself go or connect with that person. So I can't really blame the people that I was in the relationships with because going back to what you were saying earlier, it's the metaphysical, you know, it's the mirror of what, you know, you, you're only going to attract um, a reflection of yourself. So I feel like everybody that I brought in and the people that I was connecting with, we never really connected soul to soul or mind to mind or, you know, on that deeper level. There's so many different ways to be intimate with a person. It's not just about the physical. It is like the mental, it's the spiritual, it's the communication, you know, and mm-hmm. feeling safe in someone's energy, feeling safe in someone's energetic field. But before even getting to that body to body physical now when I think back I can't believe I used to be in that I'm like I don't even know that person I don't even know these people oh my god oh my god oh god yeah you know it's part of the healing you know I don't regret it because I understand why I was that way but now yeah we've ended up in a similar place I guess Um, how do you feel now looking forward um you know I feel really amazing in terms of my sexuality, in terms of my ability to discern energetically, because I've had to really increase my threshold, one, for my masculine energy. Because what I also was realizing was that my masculine side was so wounded that I was afraid to, um, I was afraid to set a boundary. I was afraid to assert myself in such a way that was protective of my body. And that was also like the part of me that had me fear also my sexuality and my femininity and feeling like I was just out here, you know, just kind of like me to the wolves because I didn't understand that the masculine energy within me was just as important as that feminine wild, right? Um, I was asserting it, right? I was asserting my sexuality and because it was coming from this place of fear of actually not being received in my genuine femininity, which whatever that may be and what it is now, which is extremely awkward and a bunch of other things, right? But I had to really like the... The fact that I feel really confident about my sexuality and stuff, what really came from me not making what I thought were intuition-based decisions. Because a lot of the times I was going with the feeling, going with the feeling, going with the feeling. But the reality is that my nervous system was fucking shot. So oftentimes I had no business going with the feeling, Sunita. I needed to actually go down the facts. I had to be logical about who the hell is in my space, who's in front of me, and being logical about protecting the materialized part of myself, because that was the part. The part was that I was afraid to actually fill in my materialized body and actually move in it with it, right? And to to really fill myself up. And because now, because I always had a fear of violence. So I felt that if I was fully whole in my sexuality and my sensuality, as I know it now, and like, we all want kind of similar feelings, right? We want to feel the desire and the the vitality and the energy and the juiciness and the, but most of us want to feel that way, right? However, right, I had to realize that that's going to, it's going to be unique to me. The theme is very universal. However, it's going to be unique to my body, to my life, and to my thing. So what I had to also kind of really dawn in is that I'm unique to myself, like the noises that I'm going to make, the way that my body wants to move, the way that I want to express my sexuality and my femininity is not going to look always the way that it may look on the gram. It may not look the way that it may look with my friends who may be a little bit more feminine than me or what have you or whoever, like even the women in my family or culturally Dominican women, as we may know in the, in, you know, in the mainstream world. So I had to really look, I, I had to like now, like looking forward and stuff, I feel really confident in that taking my time. Yeah. Taking my time and knowing that 
there's no rush, right? There's no rush to get to the bedroom or what have you, because now I know all these other ways to connect with people that I didn't know in the first place. Um, and that makes it like really fun and exciting, but it, it also is a little bit nerve wracking because uh, do I want to get my brains kind of, you know, I want, do I want somebody to ravish me and all the things? Yes, I do. I, I want a consistent lover and all the things. However, I'm not as rushed or it's not coming from a lack space. You know, I want to share with a person all of who I am today, you know, and also those awkward ass stories that we were just talking about. <laughs> so that's kind of like how looking forward, I'm just really excited to sh- be able to connect with, with others and in a totally different way. Um, and then like, oh, yes, touch my skin. yeah wow a lot of things came up then when you were speaking and for me something that just stood out was uh like self-worth self-worth right I feel this whole journey is like a journey of coming back to the self and valuing the self and I think all of these conversations about boundaries and having a, a value on yourself before extending yourself out to the world it's like regrouping with with your own energy like looking in the mirror and be like who are we (laughs) you know (laughs) who are we what do we actually want and that can change over time and I think as someone as well who has been abstaining from um physical intimacy I've not been dating either I've actually been single Mm -hmm. for like four years now (laughs) um and I've not dated I mean I I did try to date um I think two years ago, but again, I was uncomfortable. I, it was a bit uncomfortable for me because mine is tied as well to sobriety. So, you know, no longer drinking, all of these crutches that I used to have as well to give me this confidence and to also be the sexual being that partnered with the alcohol. So, being celibate is also linked to that, I think, because I had to build the confidence of being yeah. sober. And now I'm at a place of, okay, like I can have a conversation. Like you say, it's even fun to have a conversation. <laughs> like, let's get to know each other. <laughs> um, you know, I just want to connect on that basis and then see how, see how it flows. Um, so, yeah, all the things that I guess people might have done in the past. or I mean, I don't really want to compare myself to other people and how, how they are in relationships. But I feel like at this stage of my life, any relationships or connections that are coming in. I just want to really connect on a deeper level. Yeah. It's not about just a short term, you know, I can't do small talk anymore. Let's talk about the feelings. I spent so many years, like, you know, not talking about how I actually felt or being vulnerable. And now I'm like, like you, and it does get, you, at times you do feel um, uncomfortable or there are Mm -hmm. awkward moments but it's about feeling comfortable in those uncomfortable moments and realizing you know I would never have been talking about this a year ago I've never (laughs) been even you know on a date sober two years ago it's like okay yeah you gotta celebrate those wins they are wins and that's such a huge win and that's why like it's so important like if we've experienced some kind of sexual trauma in our childhood and and what it looks like in adulthood and and giving credence and honor to our physical bodies are is so important because it gets left out of the conversation it it gets left out of your recovery you know and maybe it's not in I'm not going to say, well, there's a lot of research now that it's having more holistic approaches and things like that, where they're involving meditation and all of the things to kind of incorporate the nervous system and whatnot. Um, Amazing, right? And these things don't trickle down necessarily immediately. So having consistent conversation, touch, alone time with your physical presence is so important because that is the therapy that our bodies need like our bodies need a break from using it as being a battlefield for so many things for our thoughts for our emotions for someone mishandling you because maybe you were on the bus or even us mishandling our own bodies I I self-harm for a long time you know as a kid I self-harm you know so 
there's so much stuff that the body is carrying that we don't give it its time to kind of just express itself and just be touched and loved by our own and things so that we can re-register what it is to be loving to our bodies and what does it mean when loving touches and being registered. Because before, I couldn't tell there was some, I had such a high threshold for pain and discomfort and mismanagement of my body physically and being aware of it that when I started to not receive touch being, I mean, I went through a period when I wore clothes that were a little bit more bigger. You had to ask me before you hugged me, even if we were friends 10 plus years, I had to really keep my body at a state so that when I did re-engage with touch, I was able to discern a little better. And that involved emotional intimacy, mental intimacy with myself that unfortunately they don't really tell us about and they don't tell the teenagers about or when you're college bound and you've already had sexual traumas is the trauma of your body and how do you live in your body right when your body's in the past but you are in the in the present that part has always been really interesting with like therapy and I really hope that eventually like there is more direct service where there is mind like therapy for the mind and the you know the subconscious and the cognitive with therapy for the body that is like it's a given you know if you experience sexual abuse you don't just go to therapy for your mind you just don't sit on the couch but it is imperative that you get this whole um service provided also physical therapy as well because there is a level of physical therapy that one needs and you just can't get around that energetic and physical therapy, you can't get around that, unfortunately. And I think that's where a lot of us kind of get stuck in these loops of, you know, really precarious and healthy relationships. Um, My my humble opinion, y'all, my humble opinion. (laughs) No, I agree. I agree. It's that reconnection to the body. We talk about, we've talked about it, that reconnection to the body for healing. But with that said, um, you know, I want to talk about a little bit the, for you in the two years, I know we talk, people talk about like self-pleasure for healing. And I think it's actually a topic we'll be talking about on the podcast uh, in a few weeks, not myself, but oh. somebody else. <laughs> yeah. But I just, you know, just being completely honest. I mean, in the last, in the last six months, sometimes you just don't feel a connection to do anything. Right. And that can mm-hmm. be just being in your body. And that for me, even if there has been no self-pleasure, because now I do think things are shifting and without talking about sexual trauma, just in general, you know, women and talking about self-pleasure is like masturbation is great. And I do think, you know, it's good for us to be connected to our bodies. But with that said, I don't think expressing your sexuality or connecting to your sexual energy is just about masturbation or just about mm-hmm. those those areas right you can feel sexual energy in different ways um so I wanted to ask you have you got any other ways that you express yourself sexually that aren't what you think they would be yeah um this right here is expressing myself sexually um I always tell people we're always having sex right now you and me are making love um and <laughs> so those who can't I, it, it just did a heart shape on the yeah. camera. <laughs> um, so for me, um, I had to expand my idea of sex beyond the act and understand that it is an energy. It is a creative force that I'm with, it, that I'm in all the time. So I'm even, and life is my lover. Right. So I'm either numbing out to life and disassociated. Either life is fucking me or I'm fucking the shit out of life or we're making love. You know, like so <laughs> all of the, so the, the, the same way that I may be in the bedroom, right? The ways that we would describe a sexual encounter is the same way that I would ex- describe my daily life. I am sexually, sexual inherently, right? Um, also, my idea of self-pleasure. And I've had to, with this, even with the cel- celibacy journey and also, right, this idea of like not wanting to like be penetrated and things like that has been something that I have been trying to practice with my lovers and it's fumbled and all of the things. However, self-pleasure, I had to also really expand my idea of self-pleasure and understand the practicality practicality of pleasure in my life. 
And the practicality of pleasure in my life was sometimes simply just waking up at eight o'clock, you know, and like really relishing and like, oh my God, I, you know, this time I didn't fucking wake up in the middle of the night. I slept through the night. Oh, I love this night. <laughs> like, oh, what? You know, such pleasure. And, and, and then instead of being like, fuck, I should have woke up at 6 a.m. when I had, you know, uh, you know, like the practical pleasure of surrendering to the smaller things of even like the moments that I've gotten like irritated or triggered by something, the practical pleasure in breathing into that. And anchoring myself, like, what is this? What is it that is, is happening, right? You know, the practical pleasure of surrendering to the daily bodily sensations of my body. And that wasn't easy. I have like a little notebook, like it was like every 15 or 20 minutes, I was like writing down, like I was manically writing down. But because I understood that those were releases, this was a practical pleasure, right? This, ha- this is now nervous system based. Like now I'm just talking about the practical pleasure of drinking a glass of water in the morning, the practical pleasure of should I have a heavy breakfast or maybe I should just have a light fruit or some uh, juice or what have you. But the practical pleasures of tuning into what it is exactly that you need in the moment. So that for me, that expect that idea of pleasure and understanding pleasure just on a literal physiological point just like that bare bones for me is the foundation of like the self-pleasure like masturbation as we know it and and things like that but you know we're always depending on how you touch yourself you're always masturbating mommy papi whoever you know whoever you are you're always masturbating because I'm touching myself in a way that's going to bring pleasure and that's going to bring love and it's going to bring feel good hormones I'm not going to possibly, a, you know, come, but then that's also up for um, discussion, right? Because I may just come to the next event of my day, right? Feeling fucking fab, right? Because we're always coming, we're always going, we're always, you know, so what I did was just being a writer and like in my own brain, the way that my brain works, I just really applied the mechanics of sex and the act of sex to the mechanics of life. And so I'm never outside of the bedroom. I'm never not making love or doing something that's sexual and that's in that sensual um, in my life. And I've had to really reorient myself in that way very early on in it, you know. So that that for me is like practical pleasure is self-pleasure. If we, you know, look at it that way, you know, beyond the, you know, what we're, which is a great conversation too, like touching yourself on things. But um, yeah. I totally hear you. Yeah, yeah. The pleasure. Yes. I love what you're saying next. I'm like, I've had pleasure. There's been a lot of pleasure. (laughs) I'm very happy. You know, I do feel like reveling in those moments of just connecting. For me, it's like, you know, dance. When I dance, I get a real pleasure I feel I really channel my energy to be honest when I'm dancing like no shoes like when my hair is like or when I'm sat on a park bench that is pleasure it's like what oh, I thought yes. was pleasure before is uh you know the my new version of pleasure is yeah like you said the everyday things finding pleasure in those everyday activities like just looking at the sun when it's a blue sky looking at the clouds touching the grass <laughs> it's so simple yes, like, now I'd be a cheap date but I'm like save me to the park <laughs> you know but before it used to be um, something else but yeah I think when people are probably like oh okay celibacy but are you still self-pleasuring and I guess yeah yeah we are (laughs) self-pleasuring but it doesn't need to be about the direct to masturbation in the way that you think it can be the pleasure that you just explained and I'm very happy that you just explained it that way because I'm like yes actually I've been getting a lot of pleasure (laughs) (laughs) yes right we get so much pleasure on, on the daily and that's the part that I had to really come to terms with that I'm subject to experience more pleasure. I can experience pleasure. And it was very hard for me to understand, like, it's not just sex. That was hard. 
because that meant that I had to be with myself and that I, I had to really figure out what does Betsy like and had to accept that what Betsy likes is okay. And um, I had to stand behind what Betsy likes. Learning that later on in life when you're like, I should have gone. You know, and they, you know, you have probably, you know, like the little kids around in your life, your your nieces or your nephews or your little cousins or kids in the neighborhood and things like that. I ask them, what is it that you like? What is it that you want? Stand firm in that because that is such a muscle. You know, it's muscle memory that I didn't have. And she's she's strong now. Okay. She's <laughs> but yes, it's like there's so much pleasure. Like building that muscle for pleasure is such a real thing but like building it on the daily not just in the bedroom you know yeah and then it can probably it will the bedroom should come after like you said it's finding this every that everyday pleasure something that you talked about earlier and it's probably going a little bit off topic or around I mean it's probably a circle who knows (laughs) but um you know how obviously we're both abstaining from sex and for me I had a real disconnect towards males in the sense of I've learned without this intimacy, um, you know, getting physical in that way, I've learned to be more feminine in a man's presence. Whereas before I was a bit more um, aggressive (laughs) at times. Mm -hmm. Or I'm trying to explain what I'm trying to say. Uh, I guess I've been getting more comfortable just being around men in general uh, without having to be something that I'm not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Girl, ain't that the journey? Ain't that part of the journey? I I 100% understand you. And I resonate so deeply with that. And I've had to learn that as well. And one thing that my godfather told me one time, I will never forget, going to Ochunzile, we were going to a drumming for Elegua, my perifung Elegua. And I was telling him, I was like, you know, Padrino, um, about my lover at the time. And I was like, you know, I just felt like he wasn't going to defend me or whatever and all of these things and blah, 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 blah. He was a really kind of assertive um, person. Not he was very assertive and all of the things. And at the time, I thought that I wanted a man to protect me. He was like, but what are you really doing? You want a man that loves you, not just protects you. And the thing was that I didn't understand how to be loved by a man when... I've had such um, really uncomfortable connections with them and relationships with them. Most of the male friends that I had were gay men. Um, I didn't have many heterosexual male friends because I did not understand how to navigate that. And I didn't understand how to be friends with a man without thinking that he wants to sleep with me or that he Mm. wants to whatever with me. Yeah. And stuff. So it wasn't until probably like 2016 that I had met these two guys, right? Um, on a trip that I was doing on a tour that I was on. And they were so amazing, right? I was like, oh, these are really cool dudes, right? Really cool, cool dudes, respectable, and have continuously been that. And I continue to meet men that have upstanding, right? I've had my moments. And I can pinpoint those moments where I wasn't energetically, I was a little off, right? However, because I was working on the the masculine side of things for myself, I understood that I could set boundaries, you know, that I wasn't just this person that was kind of just out here twisted in the wind without a fence in front of me that I can close the door anytime that I want, that I can raise, you know, the bars anytime that I want for it. So I definitely understand what it was to not feel safe around men, you know, and, um, and especially after I realized that I actually was not a lesbian, you know what I'm saying? And this is not to say, because for a long time, that's what a lot of people used to tell me when I was a teenager and stuff like, oh, you're not, you must have got molested or something happened to you as a kid, which would really infuriate me because I didn't want that to be the reason. Mm. And, um, and then when I realized like, oh shit, I have been with women because I did not know how to be with men. That was also very jarring for me 
Um, and this is not to say that people who are gay have been molested or whatever the case may be. Like, that's not what I'm saying. However, what I am saying, if you are an adult survivor of sexual abuse, there is worth and value in really e evaluating those things. Food for thought. You know what I'm saying? And it really was hard because I just didn't know. And, and as I continue to really just guard my energy, understand what, it, what this is, how I'm being energetically impacted, not just like my mind. I had to understand my relation, like how I'm relating, the way that my body felt around people. It was just this amalgamation of like a redo with life and being able to assess. Maybe this isn't the safe, safest situation. This person, this male in particular, has not respected a boundary or two or three or what have you. So I have learned how to feel more safe with men because I'm not as easily physically coming in contact with them in that way. Mm -hmm. um, we're emotionally connecting, mentally connecting, we're doing things, right? Um, we're sexually in like energetically. And I say that to like my male friends, I'm like, we're having sex right now to my heterosexual, <laughs> like we're having sex right now. We're making love. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to go beyond that. I don't have to be physically penetrated by you. I don't have to kiss you. I don't have to, I could just be in this really intimate space with you and know that I don't have to give you more than that. Um, and that was a hard lesson for me to learn because I, I gave a lot until I realized, oh, I don't have to give this. It's a lot of trial and error. But yes, girl, I told it, I felt like I went on a whole thing, but yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I get it. I, um, I'm totally there. And like you were saying, you went traveling. I went traveling this summer and, you know, I didn't really ha ever have guy friends before because I would always be thinking that it was, ba you know, like you just explained that, that it would be based on sex or why, how could you be with another, how, how could you be friends with somebody and there's not something else that they want? Yeah. <laughs> That's how I used to think. But now I've really been enjoying having male energies around me in a good way <laughs> as friendship, you know, like when I went traveling this summer, I just was connecting with guys. Like it was nothing to do sexually in that way or not even think I didn't feel uncomfortable, but I think it is coming back to um, that holding that power with yourself and knowing you've got boundaries now and knowing when something feels off, you can turn, you can walk away, right? Yeah. Whereas before you might have sat in that uncomfortable thing and, you know, that's when things could go a little bit in the opposite direction. But I feel, mm -hmm. yeah, it's healthy, it's difficult. And I think people who have experienced this trauma and, you know, have witnessed things in childhood where it's by, men have, have been violent or, you know, you just don't feel safe. In, in, and that's like a whole set. So it's like half of the, half of yeah. the world. <laughs> so, you know, I think having that... Um, get into a place of feeling safe within these different energies, feminine energies, masculine energies. And obviously we've got masculine within ourselves as well, but knowing yeah. when it's okay to step into your feminine and be that yeah. feminine. So, you know, for someone who tried to be overprotecting of myself and really I had a lot of masculine energy in the sense of, as protection but now yeah. when I'm with these new friends I'm like my new friends <laughs> my new guy friends <laughs> but I feel like I can be feminine and not in a sexual way it doesn't mean just being sexual being feminine it's just being yeah. the divine feminine yeah and knowing that because that was always the part too I was like because I didn't know that I can have boundaries and things like that and be friends I almost always felt like um manipulative right? And my feminine, like I'm always, always being manipulative. Yes. I didn't know how, you know, so it was my, you know, it gets so distorted and it, it's mm. so crazy, like how we are like in two parts of the world and could have such similar experiences with connecting, right? To individuals, right? And to ourselves and to the world. It's like, it's so mind blowing. And so I totally like having to sit and like receive and knowing that I don't have to do much of anything except be me a woman and be who I am and beautiful and what have you, and just be all in my energy and not have to necessarily um, give, give anything. And knowing that just my energy is my gift, like my yeah. energy is my gift oftentimes. And it's okay. That's not, that's not manipulative. That's not taking advantage of anybody. And if somebody wants to give to me, if a man wants to provide something for me or give something to me, I'm not being manipulated by saying yes, 
and thank you and not giving him my body. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and there we go. Let's end the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> let's end the podcast. <laughs> like, That's exactly that what it. it's, you can say yes and you know you can have friendships, but you don't have to have sex with them. interested who have experienced childhood sexual trauma in particular and are interested in creating more of an intimate life with themselves and um and hopefully right you don't have to be in partnership or anything like that this is a great time to prepare for partnership so yeah and you have trouble with connecting with your body your sensuality and your sexuality i would love to work with you and support you in creating that intimate relationship with yourself that you desire because we all desire it we just sometimes need a little bit of support in 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 making that happen so yeah um and um i'll be doing a a webinar um at the end of the month i date to be announced right but on grief the breast and really healing our um our grief with the sexual um education or like the sexual relationships that we wish we would have had you know sometimes we're grieving damn i didn't have the sexual trajectory that i desired because this happened to me so then i had a bunch of shitty like connections and that's something to grieve and that is it's okay if we have that in us and like grief and like breast cancer awareness month and how all of these things come together so and so that'll be at the end of the month i don't have a date yet but yeah but the shushbox podcast is brought to you by the team at shushbox We are a wellness platform created by survivors for survivors. For more information, head to www.shushbox.com and check us out on Instagram at underscore shushbox.